844-FO 96.7 FM Crestwood. Good morning, Covenant Network. It is Monday morning, November the 8th. It's so good to be with you this Monday morning. It's odd that the the sun is now up and shining, and this time last week it was still dark in the studio at 7 a.m., but, you know, that's daylight savings time for you, I suppose. Let's pray this morning because, well, I don't know about you, but I need it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, a happy Monday morning to you. It is a new week, a new week of things to look forward to here on the show and in life in general. And we're getting further into the month of November, and we're just, you know, a few short weeks away from Thanksgiving, and then Advent, and it's the end of the liturgical year, and then soon the beginning of the liturgical year, and there's just a lot going on, right? Just a lot going on. Today on the show, we're going to talk about uh, withdrawing from the world. What does that mean to withdraw from the world? You know, are we talking about stepping out of the chaos and the craziness, or you know, what What exactly are we talking about? And uh, we'll go on the road to visit with the good Monsignor Morris uh, to talk about those things. Also have some food for thought for us today from Father Goring about such things. And I'll tell you what, every now and then there are times where I just want to put my hands up in the air and say, all right, Lord, I surrender. I'm ready. I'm ready to be done with the craziness. I'm ready to be done with the distractions. I'm ready to be finished with all of this, you know, just help me have eyes for you and a heart for you and a desire for you because this world is just bonkers bonkers um and that's you know that's how it goes i feel like all weekend long we were running around like crazy you know not necessarily doing uh, bad things we had to get up saturday morning the kids all had appointments, uh, you know, annual stuff at their their pediatrician, and then that was right after that we had to get to a soccer game, and then right after that we had to get to, well, we had to go home because we had to change from one kid going to soccer to another kid going to soccer, and then I had to go run and do an errand, and yesterday was high school open house for us as the first time as parents. I've been to plenty of high school open houses, but that was many, many years ago as a potential student and then as a uh, as a high school student working the open house this was the first time that I went as a parent and I have to be honest I was not ready but I knew I wasn't ready which was kind of a nice thing I just said all right we're sixth grade parents we're not making an application this year we're not making a decision today is all about taking it in we don't even have to know what questions we have what questions we want to ask. Today is all about soaking it in, all about taking it in. And uh, we we can go from there, 
right? We'll go from there. That's that's what we'll do. So I will tell you, it was uh, it was very interesting, and there was one piece, one piece from one school that I want to highlight. And I won't say the school. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not. I don't want to play favorites or anything like that. But they said, you know, one of the marks of how we view our success with our students is not is not did we take students who were already incredibly smart, demonstrated incredibly gifted and smart and keep them that way, you know, so that they stayed incredibly smart and gifted. But rather, our mark of success is, can we take students from every point along the way, some who are incredibly gifted and some who are not, and raise them up to a higher level? Can we take that student that maybe is a B or C student in language arts or math or science and get them up to an A student? You know, that's the mark of success. And I started thinking about that in, in terms of our faith and in, in relationship to our faith. And I thought, well, wait a minute. Are we trying, you know, when we talk about evangelization, especially in this call that we all have and that, that I encourage you a lot of the time on the show to go out to the world um, and, and do whatnot um, and evangelize and share your faith and, and, and all of that, do I get confused that I think I need to go out there and take the people that already love Jesus and evangelize them to love Jesus more, or am I going with the mindset that I need to, wherever people are on the way, just share my witness with them? You know, I'm not a teacher. I am not a teacher. I'm a witness. I am not a teacher. I'm a witness, but... That doesn't mean I don't share the faith with people, um, no matter where they are at. And and I think that's a good sign of evangelization. Are we thinking about it in terms of going to those who might not know the Lord and introducing him to the Lord? Are we thinking about it in terms of, let's just take the people that know Jesus and get him to get them to know Jesus even better? That's That's the question for us, right? That is the question for us. So as we go about the show today, we're going to talk about withdrawing from the world. However, uh, you know, we do have a call not to abandon the world, not to abandon the world. We need to be bringing the gospel to everyone we meet. So that is what's in store. That's what I know. It's Monday morning, and we have some weather. So let's go to Mike Roberts and get that check of the weather for you now. We will not see a record temperature set today, but it's going to be a lot warmer than the normal high of 59. Sunny, and for your Monday, look for a high in the low to mid-70s. Clear tonight with a low near 50. Tuesday, partly sunny, warm again with a high of 68. Things begin to change for us on Wednesday. Mostly cloudy, a stray shower. It'll be breezy and still warm. But on Veterans Day, a cold front arrives. We'll have a morning high of 58 degrees. We'll see rain, and it'll be windy all day. And then by sunset, temperatures will be in the upper 40s. And we stay in the 40s Friday through the weekend. Variable clouds with a high of 45 on Friday. Partly sunny Saturday and Sunday. And both days look for a high of around 48 degrees. Today is the feast day of blessed John Duns Scotus. Born in Scotland in the mid-13th century, his father was a wealthy farmer and his birth name was John Duns, with Scotus being added in later years to make sure everyone knew he was from Scotland. 
Devout from a young age, John entered the Friars Minor at Dumfries, where his uncle was a superior, and he later went on to study at Oxford and then in Paris. He was ordained in 1291. He spent time as a teacher at Oxford and also Cambridge, and then went back to Paris to get his doctorate in philosophy. He wrote extensively about formal distinction, arguing for the metaphysical existence of God and also against the notion that free will is an illusion. But he also had a great love for the Blessed Mother, and his defense of the Immaculate Conception of Mary was used in 1854 by Pope Pius IX when he wrote The Divine Dogma of Our Lady's Immaculate Conception. Along with St. Thomas Aquinas and William of Ockham, he is considered one of the great theological philosophers of the Middle Ages. But John also had a deep appreciation for the Augustinian Franciscan tradition and wrote about the richness of this particular journey in walking with our Lord. He died on this day in 1308. Blessed John Dunn Scotus, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. We are always happy to be on the road to the Oratory of Saints Gregory and Augustine. And once again, we are with Monsignor Eugene Morris, Rector of the Oratory. Monsignor, good to be with you today. Adam, it's good to be with you as well. As always, thank you for the invitation. I'm going to bring up one of my favorite popes, and I'm going to take a guess that he might be one of your favorite popes as well, Pope Leo Thirteenth yes. and uh, the Rosary Pope, 11 encyclicals on the Rosary, but that will not be our topic today. However, in his seventh encyclical, Laetitiae Sancte, he brings up three points that have been near and dear to my heart for the last several months. And he talks about the three chief problems of the world at the time, a distaste for the simple, laborious life, the repugnancy of suffering, that no one wants to suffer, and a forgetfulness of the eternal. Now, this was in September of 1893 that he published this letter. And I read it, and I thought, 1893. In fact, I turned to Father Charles Sampson when I was at Mass at the Old Cathedral and said, after Mass in the, in the parking lot, I said, this is 2021 that Pope Leo XIII is talking about. This is the world now. We, we don't want to do simple, laborious things in life. We don't want to suffer. And we do anything to avoid all of these at the cost of the eternal because, I mean, are we really going to go to heaven anyway? And that's not what I want. So I think often of that phrase we've heard coming straight from the Gospels, to be in the world but not of the world. Monsignor, where do we begin to withdraw from the world so we don't suffer those problems that Leo Thirteenth warned us of? Well, I can't think of uh, any better place to start in one sense than with one of my heroes, St. Ignatius of Loyola. And the exhortation that's really prominent throughout the exercises, but it begins with that virtue of detachment. You have to first let go of the world in order to be able to remove oneself from it. And I think as you better know than I, because you're a man of technology, this is how you make your living on the radio and computers and you know all the forms of mediated communication. We're sitting here now and you know taping and doing all this stuff, all these ways we get plugged in, phones and all that stuff. Uh, it's even much more difficult for us to do it than it would have been in the time of Leo the Thirteenth, uh, where the electric light that allowed us to be daytime all the time, uh, which changed industry, which changed our our whole agrarian culture, so many things have actually changed. Uh, which, as you say, what he said then over what now it's 170 years almost, I guess if my math is correct, is even more true now than it was when he first wrote that and reflected on that. So, so, what, so what does Ignatius say about detachment? He says detachment, in a sense, or the easiest way to conceptualize detachment is the separation from things. 
But that really is the beginning of the better and deeper attachment, or detachment rather, excuse me, which is from the, uh, the things of our interior lives, which are the very things that actually Leo XIII speaks about at the end, that refusal to contemplate heaven and an unwillingness to suffer. Those aren't rejections of physical realities, although in part our rejection of suffering is a fear of maybe the physical pain. But more often than not, the suffering that people reject has nothing to do with physical pain. It's just simply the inconvenience of living in the world. I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to wait long in the line. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be saddled with children, so I destroy them in the womb. I don't want to be saddled with caring for my parents, so I warehouse them with the elderly, or I put them to death now. Um, I don't want to be bothered with this. That I don't want to be bothered with myself, so I'll become a man, or I'll become a woman, or I'll become a dog, or the other things that are going on in the world, because I don't want to be emotionally inconvenienced. I don't want to emotionally suffer through that. You get rid of the things first that allows you then to let go of those interior expectations. And of course, this is always coupled with, this isn't something you're doing by yourself. You're doing this with and in and through God's grace being given to you in order to assist you in doing those things. Now, I am not one who sews often, but I do know how to sew a button onto my shirt or repair a hem, and I think of that passage. Did you thank of, your mother for that, by Actually, that? I thank my grandmother for okay. that. She was the one that taught me how to do that. My mother my, would have, but my grandma beat my her to it. My grandma taught me as well, and, and we have to thank the women in our lives that made us learn that anyway. In, indeed. And, and so I think of that saying of our Lord in the gospel, that it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I can't even get a thread into the eye of a needle sometimes, let alone a camel. And I'm thinking, these are my chances to get into the kingdom of heaven. Oh boy, I'm in trouble here. So I, I've got some examination to do in my life, which is another thing Ignatius would exhort us to do is every day, every day examine, three times a day. Yes, and certainly the midday examine in the evening, most definitely. And that was always coupled with, and it's been an idea that I have, or a theological insight I've been playing with probably for the last six or eight months, and that is the need to purify my intentions. Um, particularly for those of us who actually are striving to live a good holy life according to the mind of the church, we aren't doing bad things, if you will. We're not caught up in the world. It's very easy because we are, in one sense, doing it better than others to convince ourselves we're doing it as we're doing it the best. And again, Ignatius, in that examine, reminds you, think about what you're doing in but why you're doing it. So are you now motivated because you love God? Are you motivated because you are doing it better? So I can look at the world and say, I'm not caught up in all the craziness of the world. I'm a pretty good guy. I'm pretty sound and sane and relatively holy in comparison. But as we've talked about in the past, am I as holy as I should be? And am I working for the holiness of others as well? And so doing that examination of conscience on a regular basis, again, assists us. And that eye of the needle, if I can go back to that again, of course, that was the reference to one of the gates in, into the city. And of course, camels would have been laden with all sorts of goods that would have made it difficult. You would have had to unload those to get the camel through the needle's eye. That's what we're doing through physical, material detachment. So why has religious life, especially contemplative religious life, by tradition, always been the preferred life? Because the contemplative lives here on earth 
as we all live in heaven, if by God's grace we are able to be there, which is our deepest desire, to peer upon the face of God and live. And so the contemplative strips himself of everything here that only leaves him and God, that allows that very narrow way to be experienced. Now, for those of us in the world, which was the question we're confronting, we, we aren't contemplatives in the strict sense, it still does require from us a detachment from a letting go of things. And you know as well as I, when you do that, your life does become not just simpler, it becomes better and more fruitful. We talk about intention, and I think this gets to the heart of something we, we talk about often on the show. Are we ordered or are we disordered? I, I don't think you're saying, and I, I'm certainly not saying, you know, take for instance the best drive through. This statement has not been qualified, but the best drive-thru of all the drive-thrus out there, Chick-fil-A, that you can order online ahead of time, and by the time you get in the line, they say, oh, Adam, here's your order, right? Yep, okay, pull behind that car. You're in and out of there before you can even order at other fast food restaurants. No one's saying don't use that app, don't take advantage of that to avoid waiting in a line. But the challenge for me is when I get there and things might be running slower that day or I order online somewhere else and they say your order will be ready in 15 minutes. And in 15 minutes I go and it's not ready. And then, oh, why is my order not ready? And now I'm going to bark and huff and puff and, and I'm going to become angry and I'm going to blame you and so on and so forth. It becomes a disordered desire for all of this convenience. It's all about me now and not about, okay, it's just life. So we're not not at all to speak ill of those who choose to not take advantage of kind of modern conveniences. But, you know, we use lights and apps and cell phones and electricity and cars. You know, we're not saying don't use those things. But, you know, again, the old axiom, you know, you can have them, but don't let them have you. And that's what we're, that's what we're striving for. I have found, and I have recommended this of late, uh, because like so many, I'm chained to my phone. Of removing some of my apps, Facebook, Twitter. I don't have Instagram at this point. I know uh, in some ways I went to bed uh, young and I woke up my grandpa because the world is just moving so fast. I, I can't keep up and I'm kind of grateful for that. They're just things I don't know. Uh, I know they're out there. I hear about them. And I think I should, but then I, eh, you know, and I realized my life was okay. I don't feel like I don't know anything. I don't feel like I'm, I'm living under a rock. And so even as a simple thing of taking Facebook off my phone where it's not immediately accessible and being patient so that, you know, when someone sends me a text, the ellipsis that comes up doesn't become a source of, you know, anxiety. Why aren't they texting me back right away? Well, there was a time where you just simply had to write a letter and it might take a year before you would hear from the individual and you lived with that. So there is something about, again, that first step, but then that first step is meant to lead us to that deeper detachment which allows us then to accept whatever happens to us in the world. So we've let go of those things that might enslave us involuntarily, but then we move to the next step, and that is allow ourselves to then be overcome, overwhelmed by the things of God and not the things of the world so we can get, again, not blind to them, but not allowing them to swamp us and drown us. If I may, an example from my life that's actually taken me years to get to this point my phone. I would watch shows on my phone, and I still, from time to time, watch shows on my phone. And again, nothing inherently wrong with that if you're watching good, wholesome things, but it's when it becomes to the point you cannot let go. 
And so what I found was I was missing my children playing, just sitting on the living room floor playing with one another. And the things they would say that, oh my goodness, I want to write them all down and put them in a book. And when they get married someday, if that's what God calls them to say, here's a gift for you. It's all the things they said as a child that, that you'll laugh at. I was missing those things because I could not put my phone down. Yes, I mean, I don't know. I, I I don't have children, obviously, but in the same way, how easy it is to be consumed with, you know. There was a time, probably maybe about seven or eight years ago, where my mornings began early, so I could read through all my blogs, and I would realize I would spend an hour and a half before I'd even kind of gotten before I've gotten to prayer. Uh, and not only had I wasted that time, oftentimes I was more kind of frustrated and anxious by all the things that I actually read. So. Not only did they not bring me peace, they ended up upsetting my peace, and I wasted the time to stop. Am I missing something? Well, in a sense, yes. I don't know everything. But again, one of the modern things, as if I should know everything, I don't need to know everything. There shouldn't be any expectation. I have no right to know everything. The only one who knows everything is God. Well, I do know this would be a good place to stop and take a break. We're talking with Monsignor Morris about withdrawing from the world. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. We are back. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Today we are on the road at the Oratory of Saints Gregory and Augustine talking with Monsignor Eugene Morris about withdrawing from the world. Now, you mentioned we should not just detach from these things, but then it becomes, what do we do next? So to say, well, I'm going to stop being on these social media apps because all I do is gossip with people and, and gossip is sinful and I don't, want to, I don't want to be gossiping on these apps. So I'm just going to call up all my friends instead and then we'll gossip by, right, exactly. by calling one right. another. You know, that, that'll be better, right? Uh, no, that, that would not be better. It's just different. What are some of the things we can endeavor to do to occupy ourselves and our time so that while we live in this earthly pilgrimage, we might one day, hopefully, God willing, get to heaven. I think it is what the church has always recommended to us, and that is a life of prayer. And a life that's really built around the rhythm of the life of the church, her liturgical life, which is, again, her prayer life. Uh, It isn't just the rituals, it's the prayer that's engendered. A friend and I had an interesting conversation many, many months ago about one of the many ways that Napoleon had upset the world was the introduction of kind of um, time ordered by the clock as opposed to time ordered by the divine office. Uh, He had all the bells of the monasteries removed under his reign as a way of, again, just taking away authority and power of the church. And as my friend was describing this, he did a much better job of putting it in historical context. I thought about that. And I thought about my life is chained to the clock. It's 9 o'clock. It's 10 o'clock. We have meetings. And again, Nothing in per se wrong with that. But imagine how beautiful our lives are if they were around the rhythm of the divine office. So I rise in the morning with matins. I pause and pray uh, lauds. In the midday, I do prime or mid-morning. I mean, again, and, and if I'm not doing that as a monk, because I can't, I'm in the fields, the bells are ringing, calling the men who are able to do that to do that for themselves, but also on behalf of those of us who can't. And as I continue my labors in the vineyard, literally, I can at least be cognizant as I hear the bells that the rhythm of my day and the rhythm of our lives is based on that. Now, again, you can't per se do that in your life because, again, 
you know, you can't say, I'll be at our meeting at Terse. No one knows what time Terse is, and so no, you can't do that. But you can, as you say, begin to, again, not only avoid gossip through the internet, you avoid gossip in general, but then you begin inculcating, embracing in your life practices that allow your mind to be more filled with the things of God. So, the praying of the divine office, literally, specifically, but prayer in general. The recitation of the rosary, of course. I don't know why we persist in not praying the rosary when Our Lady has made it very clear that really it is probably the linchpin for the salvation of the human condition is that beautiful prayer that she herself gave to Dominic. Of course, Holy Mass on Sunday, daily Mass if we can, our own spiritual reading. There are so many things that the church has always recommended that are still there. Go back to the perfect triumvirate of realities, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, given to us at the beginning of every Lent. You can pick whatever kind of format you want, but those things are constantly recommended because they actually work. They have always worked, and they're simple. I don't actually have, it, it's funny because of, you know, the, because of the craziness of the world, everyone's talking about you know leaving the cities and moving to the country and all of those things and i think about that sometimes myself and then i think you know what would i do without the internet and then i look around you're sitting in my office right now and all these books i have and i have many more i could read which is what they did forever they read by candlelight i don't even need light to do that i need candles to they need a fire to i mean so again I, and i'm not saying let's turn off all the electricity let's not have i love having I can love that I can bathe three times a day if I want. I love living in a country where I have the freedom to do that. So I'm not saying don't. But then also don't allow the slavery to those things to keep you from making simple choices in your life. It's a great reminder for us. I mean, I think of it this way. The, the day has so many touch points that we can stop for prayer. If you can't go to morning mass, at least, at least pray the morning offering yes. when you get up. And if you can't pray it when you get up, when you tune into Roadmap to Heaven every day at 7 a.m., that's how we begin the show. So three days a week, five days a week, whatever it may be, we've got you covered. Pray the Angelus throughout the day. Pray the rosary at some point. Pray the chaplet of divine mercy. I like to say that, listen, I have to be on the parking lot no later, no later than 3 p.m. to get a parking space for 315 dismissal. It's a perfect window to turn off the radio, to turn off whatever it is I want to watch on, on YouTube or whatever on my phone, and pray the chaplet of divine mercy. Enjoy those points throughout the day. Your coffee order is taking longer than it normally does. That's a moment to pray three Hail Marys right there. Or just to reflect that, that midday examine of, here's something I'm grateful for today, and here's some areas where I need to turn my life around today. We have all these opportunities that we just you know plow right through because we're so fixated on ourselves and not on eternity. You notice, as you were describing those, whether it's the morning offering of the, the Angelus at noon and at six, the chaplet of Divine Mercy at three, again, the rhythm of the hours, time baptized by God. God is the Alpha and the Omega, not the nine o'clock and the 9 p.m. or 9 a.m. He's the beginning and end. And our worldview as Catholic men and women, as believers in Christ, has to be expansive. It has to be the rising of the sun to its setting, not from the morning hours to the evening hours that's defined by men. And as you say, they are simple touchstones that can become even larger if we want them to be. But again, maybe the nature of our job, our life doesn't allow us the freedom to do that. But you can pray the Angelus at your desk and no one will even know. It'll take you seconds. You can pause and for 10 minutes and pray the Chaplet of Divine Mercy at your desk or wherever you might be, or if you're sitting on the parking lot waiting to pick up your kids. There, there are ways of incorporating these that, again, 
may not change society and culture, but I can guarantee you it's society and culture are not going to change unless we as Catholic men and women begin to do these things more deliberately and intentionally. Well, there's the challenge for us, to let go and to do these good things more deliberately. And that's my prayer for you every day. Please pray for me. I need help with it. I, I need help letting go for sure. I have a loving wife who assists me in that. And uh, as we talked about last time, the litany of humility is a very powerful tool as we seek to withdraw from the world and fix our eyes upon Christ. Monsignor, could I ask you to close our time with a prayer? Certainly. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Gracious and merciful Father, draw near to us and give to us the strength we need to live only for you. You bless us in so many ways, with so many graces. Let us cooperate with those graces that our lives may give you fitting glory and praise and we may be instruments for the building up of the Holy Mother Church on earth. This prayer we make through Christ our Lord. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. Once again, Monsignor Morris, thank you for hosting us here at the Oratory. Friends, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We will be back after this. We will not see a record temperature set today, but it's going to be a lot warmer than the normal high of 59. Sunny, and for your Monday, look for a high in the low to mid-70s. Clear tonight with a low near 50. Tuesday, partly sunny, warm again with a high of 68. Things begin to change for us on Wednesday. Mostly cloudy, a stray shower. It'll be breezy and still warm. But on Veterans Day, a cold front arrives. We'll have a morning high of 58 degrees. We'll see rain, and it'll be windy all day. And then by sunset, temperatures will be in the upper 40s. And we stay in the 40s Friday through the weekend. Variable clouds with a high of 45 on Friday. Partly sunny Saturday and Sunday. And both days look for a high of around 48 degrees. As we begin our week on this Monday, it's time for a new Daily Dose of Encouragement topic for the week. Patty Schneier is with us. Patty, I can't wait to find out what we're going to learn about this week. Well, as we've been talking last week about all souls in November, November is also the time to talk about souls and saints. I love the saints. And I could I could share my joy and love with the saints forever. I, I There's so many saints that mean a lot to me. But we're going to start this week off with just talking about increasing our love for the saints. So today, I have to tell you a little story about how my own love for the saints grew. It was when I was 38 years old. It was my birthday. And I had no idea who my saints day even was. So I looked it up. I was in Adoration Chapel, and I was hoping for some big, well-known saint that I knew. And as I looked it up, I couldn't even pronounce the guy's name. But as I came to learn, he's a doctor of the church and a marvelous saint. I'm born on the feast of St. John Chrysostom. His name means golden mouth, and he's the patron saint of speakers and preachers. So as I was growing in daily ministry and, and being asked by the Lord to go out and speak, he became my mentor, my partner, my guide, my best friend. I needed St. John Chrysostom. And so I guess my really what I'm trying to say is everyone, we all were born on a particular day. And I think God chose our birthday and has chosen a saint for us to walk with us, to guide us, to be that special saint in our life. So my question to all of you is, do you know on whose feast day you were born? Do you know on whose feast day your children were born, your spouse, your parents? Those saints, we need to know who they are. Look them up. Let that saint become your special saint in your life. It's just one way to grow in our love and devotion to the saints. When we realize that we have a special saint, we were born on his or her feast day, and we need to get to know that person and become a part of our life. 
Well, friends, I don't know about you, but I have some research to do now, so I'm going to get to that. Patty, thank you so much for bringing us this encouragement. A lot that we talked about on the show today, mainly about withdrawing from the world, and I just want to encourage you, as you go out throughout the day, as you go on with your day today, that's kind of the goal. Live for heaven today. I mentioned we were at a baptism a few weeks ago, and very key in that baptismal rite, in that sacrament, the renunciation of sin, the renunciation of Satan, and the striving for heaven. And we're all given a charge at our baptism that we might get to heaven presenting the light of Christ that we received at our baptism to our Lord, presenting our baptismal garment unstained by sin. And, you know, better than any laundry detergent out there, better than any laundry detergent out there, it getting stains out of clothing, a true and contrite heart going to the sacrament of reconciliation, well, you can get that baptismal garment cleaned. You can get your soul cleaned in that beautiful, beautiful sacrament. I do want to ask you to pray this morning, if I may, for my daughter and her second grade class who are about to make their first reconciliation. In fact, just a little over an hour from now, they will be gathered in church to go to the so wonderful sacrament. We've been talking a lot about it at home. I know they've been preparing very hard in class, and she's ready. She is ready. So please pray for them this morning as they make their first first reconciliation. I want to thank you for tuning in today. I want to thank Monsignor Eugene Morris for welcoming us on the road and Father Mark Goring for sharing his words with us. Let's say a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. By the way, in case you're wondering, well, how do I walk this narrow road, and do I actually have a chance of making it into heaven? Don't forget that you need sanctifying grace for that. What is sanctifying grace, you say? Well, that's all right. I used to ask that question myself. Tune in Wednesday. We're going to hear all about sanctifying grace here on Roadmap to Heaven. Until then, go out and live your faith. Have that constant conversion to our Lord and pray your rosary today.